I would like to thank the Lord for this day that he has made. And I would like to thank the Lord for all of us that are already on call and those that are not yet. For the Lord is faithful. I am not very good at singing, but I would like to sing one stanza and one chorus of the same song. I'll first read the words because I want each one of us to sing. I know most of you know the song. The song says, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is more. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. And the chorus goes, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Now you're going to hear the great musician of the season. Hallelujah. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is more. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine holy Lord. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson state, he washed it white as snow. Yes, Lord, in the same spirit I join my sister Joy. And everyone, oh Lord, not only us who are on call this morning, but Lord, we join all creation to honor you to worship you and to glorify your holy name. You who did not withhold your only begotten son, but you gave him up to die for us sinners. We want to honor you this morning, that in him we live and move and have our being. That in him we have everything that we claim to have. In him you purchased our lives. In him you purchased our victory. In him you purchased everything for us. Thank you, gracious, loving, and merciful God. This morning, Lord, as we sit at the feet of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, it is our prayer that through this bread that you have given us, that your Holy Spirit, our helper, and our teacher will meet with each one of us and teach us. That today, Lord, will not be an ordinary meeting. That it will not be an ordinary fellowship. But it will be a special individual encounter with you. And the Lord, it will not just be an encounter. But it will be a transformational encounter. The Lord from here, Lord. We will know that that we've never known. We will see that that we've never seen. We will hear that that we've never heard. We see your disciples that walked with you. These people were able to witness for you even after you had left. Because of what they had seen, because of what they had heard, because of what they had witnessed. 
Will we, oh my God, have such experiences of God in our life? The Lord, we will move without wave. That will move without shaking. But Lord, we will have experiences that will strengthen our walk and our witness for you. Our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Make our walk with you a reality, my God. A reality, my God. A reality, my God. Get us out of those theaters, O Spirit of the living God. Because that is where we have lived. Everything is acted. My prayer this morning is that we will come out of those theater halls and we will live every life in you, Christ Jesus. Where our lives will witness for you. Where everything will be true witnesses for you. To the honor and glory of your name. My God and my Father, I choose to completely disappear. That you will fully appear and speak to us. Give each one of us that bread that you have prepared for us today. And Lord, let it satisfy us to the honor and glory of your name. For in Jesus' name I prayed and believed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Once again, sisters and brothers in the Lord, I would like to thank the Lord so much for this day. I would like to thank the Lord for our lives. But above all, I would like to thank the Lord for enabling us to continue trying, trying to work with him. You and I can only try. It's only Christ who can enable us to walk with him. Hallelujah. Joy, I, I wish you could unmute yourself, Joy, so that, oh, Sister Agnes, so that we, we do it together. Hallelujah. It usually encourages when you hear that people are, are actually listening in. Hallelujah. My name is Winnie Mwezi, as I have been introduced by my sister, Joy. And uh, today, by the grace of the Lord, we are going to share one sentence, one very big statement that comes from John's first epistle, chapter 4. Verse 8. And uh, I'm going to read it. He who does not know, he who does not love, does not know God. For God is love. Brethren, I reflected on this statement and I, I was forced to understand why would John make such a statement at a time like this at a time when you would think that people had moved with Christ, had witnessed him, why would he doubt that people did not love God? What made him think that actually people did not love God? And as an apostle of Christ, he had to write it down. So I went back, friends, I would like to, I would like us to understand very briefly the background of this epistle. The background of this epistle, friends, 
It comes at a time when there were very many, I would say, poisonous or dangerous hearsays in the church. These hearsays, friends, were actually influenced or brought by great philosophers like Piatto. One of such was that matter was inherently evil and the spirit was good. And because of that, people wanted now to separate the body, now which is matter, from the spirit. And they wanted to say that Christ actually did not have a body. Or if Christ had a body, he only existed in what appeared to be a body, but it was not really a physical body. So they wanted to shield him and said Christ must have been only spirit. And they knew that that was the only way to present him holy. If they pushed him to the body, then it would mean he's, he's evil. So these great philosophers promoted that teaching of dualism. Of course, that compromised with the fact or with a biblical view that actually Jesus is completely human. So his complete humanity as well as his, as his full deity were compromised with by this kind of teaching. But they did not stop at that. These false teachers promoted separated things of the body from the spirit. They wanted to believe that, for example, since the body and the spirit are separate, one can mistreat the body. It is okay because after it's, it's evil. Or one can commit sin in the body and it will not affect the spirit. And these were promoted. What happened, of course, you know, in every community, if you come with your ideology, there are those who will buy and those who will not buy. So there was a faction that actually that actually bought this beliefs. And so these moved with the philosophers. They, pro- they, 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 they promoted and taught those hearsays. And that is how they lived their lives. There was a lot of immorality because sin was assumed to be done by the, by, by the body and had no effect. So finally, there was a breakaway. There was a breakaway of this faction that followed the so-called marriageable people, the philosophers. So this one broke away from the church. But there were those who remained, those who were stuck to the true apostolic teachings. Those ones remained in the church. But even when they remained, even them they were shaken. Even them they were threatened. Even when they remained in the church, they were not very safe. As you know, when everything, when anything comes, you do not know. You don't know who is going and who is, who is going next and, and who is staying. You don't know why the other people actually believe the other concept and actually drifted away. 
So the so-called, I know it all, the so-called we are learned, we are educated, we understand it, we can prove this, we can prove these theories, we can do this, that group drifted away. So there was actually a separation or a departure of a certain group of people from the church basing on those false teachings or hearsays that we are being taught in the church. And so John, as an old or aged apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, him who had actually witnessed, saw it not right to sit back, but said, let me now guide. Let me first guide those who think they know it all, those who think understand it, and they can afford to drift away from the church. Let me guide them. Then he said, even those who are remaining, let me also guide them. Why did he think so? Because he realized that these people were actually not understanding who God was. He realized that the other group, the so-called wise group that drifted away, thought that these were the, the, the rest that remained in the church were less knowledgeable. They did not understand. They did not. Now, those that remained in the church also looked at the other group as lost. And now Paul realizes that the only, I'm sorry, John realizes that what can bring them back is actually if they understood that God is love. Because either factions actually believed that they were following God. Those that remained in the church claimed to be followers of God under the true apostolic teaching. The other ones also followed God in their own way, but under that wisdom. So he wanted to, to now bring each one of them now to say, whether you are the other group, whether you are this other group, you do not understand. You, you need to understand who God is for you to move on. You who are remaining in the church should not despise the other group. He said, you must love them. If you say you are Christians and you're following the two apostles, you must love the other group, though it has drifted away. And he was telling the other ones, even you, you do not have ability to despise the group that has remained. And that was the background. So John uses this love as, as, as a bridge, as a way to bring these two factions back to a neutral place, to a neutral position where these people would be able to accept and live with one another. And as, as I looked at that, friends, or even as, as, as I brought that out, you all know that that is it, even in our lives today. That is it, even in our communities today. That is it, even in our societies today. Even in the church. Because everyone almost is a church goer. So friends, we have come up with affiliations. We have come up with associations. We have come up with beliefs. We have come up with all sorts of things, even in our societies. You all know that we all have political affiliations. Where some consider others less. But even the less consider the so-called powerful, corrupt, and fair. 
and all sorts of things. We have social classes. Where we want to believe, and I'm saying it intentionally, where we assume actually to believe to belong in different social classes. As a result of levels of income, of education, and so many other things. Then we have culture beliefs. And to me, here you even repented. Because I am one person who I actually did not know, but I've been despising certain people because of what they do. Someone eats, I don't know, white ants, and, and you're like, oh my God. Someone cooks mukene, and you're like, oh my God. And you don't even want to associate with them because mukene is smelly. You don't, even when you, 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 you're talking with them, you, you are remembering how you saw them eating those ants. But for them it is okay. And so many other things that people do as a result of their cultures and, and others want to, to, to separate themselves from them. Internally, to despise them internally because of what they do as a result of their cultural behavior. Then we have religious denominations, you people. Where we want to, to, to put these, I, I don't know, on which scales now I don't know. We weigh this and weigh the other. We weigh this and weigh the other. And it has brought a lot, a lot of separation in the church. Religious denomination or denominations. Then we even go to salvation, you people. We, I don't even know which meters way. Whether Holy Spirit meter, whether salvation meter, I don't know. We know who is more or better safe. We know who is spirit-led and what-led. We know what and what. And we choose whom and how to relate with people depending on those assumptions that are within us. Connections these days have become connections. I don't know whether you know that. The common saying of Ubanyangwe who reach on traffic, traffic roadblocks. And when the policeman says, where is your driving, driving permit? And the man gives the phone, please speak to this one. Instead of producing a valid driving permit, for your saying, speak to this one. And even others who have connections, we try to exalt these human earthly connections. We tend to think we are more important because of those connections. But remember, you did not choose yourself to be that. God chose you to be that, to honor him, to glorify him, not to use it to exploit people. God blessed you in that way for you to be a blessing unto others, not for you to use it to exploit other people. We live in a community, people. Even on this, I repented. Where we do not care about what happens to the disadvantaged. How many of us, let's challenge ourselves, have, how many of us have ever known what happens in those slums? How many of us? Because for us, we are in our housing. Because for us, we are averagely okay. 
How many of us have ever taken a step to know what goes on in those poor schools? In those hospitals where a majority and I repeat that where a majority of the population actually lives. If I go very briefly, the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000, his disciples were only 12, but when he multiplied the bread and the fish, the baskets were with only these 12, and these 12 were to feed the other bigger population. So friends, we have been entrusted with a basket. But how many are picking from those baskets that are in our hands? How many are doing that? We seem not to care. We seem not to even bother. And we are Christians. Please not. So we don't know what happens in those poor communities. We don't know what happens. Yes, among those weak people, we do not know. We do not know. And for us, we are serving our God and moving on. I could go on and on and on and mention the imbalances in regions. But as I mentioned this, for example, for example, I mentioned about the Banyakwaram one, that's why I'm saying it. They speak to this one, which you have also been hearing. But there's also the other group who think that every Munyakwa is actually benefiting. So there is this other hatred. One time I was doing a project. I had even borrowed that money from somewhere. And then this man comes up and says, passing by, and says, you Banyakwaram who are doing this, who are doing this, we will ban those things. So there is also that where people are actually discriminated for who they are, things that are actually beyond them, but they are being mistreated for who they are. They are being harassed for who they are. And now the servant of the Lord, the apostle of the Lord, John, after seeing this separation, seeing this, he says it is only love. It is only love that can bridge this gap. And friends, I want us to challenge ourselves in a similar manner this morning. It is only love. Love that is beyond us, that love that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only that love that can break those barriers. Those barriers that are within our lives. Because we must come back to a point of concern. We must come back to a point of care. We must come back to a point of appreciating everything that is for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Friends, I want us very, very briefly and very, very fast to go through two stories. I am going to, uh, to, to request, in, in the interest of time, that each one of us will go back and read the stories. But for me, I will do an overview, because I, if I go to read, it will not save time. One is a story that is recorded in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. And friends, this is the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a Jew, and I want you to mark this, a Jew tax, chief tax collector who was collecting taxes for the Roman government. Because he was a chief tax collector, he was a very rich man. The Bible says he was rich actually. But again, this man was a very short man. We are talking about Zacchaeus. The Bible says 
that everyone despised Zacchaeus, especially the, the Jews. They wondered why a fellow Jew would actually extract such taxes from them and take it to the Roman government. Your very own, your very own, actually mistreating you and taking the money to the Roman government. And of course, being a, a, a chief, it means he was overseeing many other tax collectors. So when the Roman government said we needed this amount for this period, it was him to enforce, to make sure that all these other tax collectors collected their due amounts. And actually, Zacchaeus submitted it to the Roman government. So his people despised him. They didn't like him. The exercise of collecting taxes was such a bad one. It had a lot of corruption because they had targets. I think our friends who work in URA would know this. They had targets. Which targets had to be met? But this man had to do it because he had the Roman government to serve. So he did it faithfully. But I want you to hear how the love of God through Jesus Christ works. The Bible says that one day Jesus is going through Jericho. You and I would say, how is this related? The Bible says that when Jesus is going through Jericho, because of his previous, the previous miracles he had done, he had attracted so many people. A huge crowd, a multitude was following him. So many people were following him. But in this whole scripture, no one is mentioned to have had an encounter with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Other than, other than this chief collector, Zacchaeus. So the Bible says that Zacchaeus had here the grace of the Lord that is sufficient. He has that Jesus is going to be passing through. And he runs and climbs a sycamore tree. The Lord's eye did not catch any other person in the crowd, remember? It was a crowd. But the Lord's eye caught Zacchaeus. And Jesus made a self-invitation to his house and said, you know what, Zacchaeus, today, today, with my entire entrance, we are into your house. And when these Pharisees see this, they are like, this man can't be real. He's going to this man's house? Can, can, this prophet, Jesus, Rabbi, can he be serious to even be going to Zacchaeus' house? This thief? This rich person? Because you know what it means? How people associate wealth or relate wealth with salvation. If you're rich, you've either stolen, you've done something to get that money. No one, no person who does not have money will ever say that the rich person got it genuinely. No, 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 it has to be stolen. It has to be through witchcraft. It has to be from the water. It has to be something. It has to be something like that. They, they must account for, 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 for the rich people's money. So it was the same with Zacchaeus. Everyone knew that he had gotten it through those wrong actions in tax collection. And so everyone, even when everyone despised him, the Lord makes that visit to his home. And at the end of it, when they ask, emphasis is at verse 7, when they saw it, they all complained. They all complained, how can you? But Jesus comes them down and says, the son, I came to save. I came to seek the lost. That is the love of God. He will not look at a Jew doing what? He will not look 
at your stature. Because as I was looking at this man being very short, maybe he was short of many other things, not only, not only physical shortness. Maybe he was short in compassion. Maybe he was short in war. Maybe he was short in gift. Maybe he was short in so many other things. But despite his shortness, despite his background, despite his work, despite, despite, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, did not miss him. Instead, it is him that his eye caught. The story of Zacchaeus' friends should enable us to nullify. There's so many things that we've been using to separate ourselves from certain groups of people in our lives. If the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ could not do that, but instead went for him, who are we? Who are we to separate ourselves? Who are we to justify the things we do? Not to extend love, not to love these people. Hallelujah. That is one story. Another story that I would like us to reflect on again briefly is the story that is again, that is written in, uh, in John chapter 4 verse 4. And this is the story of the Samaritan woman. This story again was written at a time when the Samaritans were actually the Samaritans at the time that we are there were as a result of intermarriages between the little Jews that had remained and the so many other tribes that were in the northern district of Israel. So these were like, they, they, were, not, they were not Jews. They were a different group of people, as I said, that were as a result of intermarriages. These people actually did not believe on the entire book of the Bible. But they only took the first five books, that's what they believed in, only the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. These people also had their only place of, of worship at Mount Perizim, where they had met with their God. And God had given them promises before they entered the promised land. So they had a specific place. They had their own beliefs. They had their own things. Now, to bring it down, leave alone this woman being a Samaritan. She is a woman, you people. As you know, women despised. And leave alone now being a woman. This woman is going to fetch water in the evening, like at, at 6 p.m. alone. When actually the, 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 when actually the culture was that women would go together early in the morning before the sunset to go and fetch water. But this woman appeared to have been even an outcast in her own society. Because she was going alone to fetch the water and in an awkward hour. Now, this is the woman that our Savior meets with and engages in a conversation. A whole rabbi, a man, a Jew, you know, a teacher of, you know, that great teacher is talking to a Samaritan outcast woman. Not only talking, but even asking for water, asking for a favor. So everything about it in the physical or in the human was awkward. But this is what it was. The Lord Jesus Christ meets with this woman. And, and the woman, of course, tries to, 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 to also resist the Lord. The Lord engages her in your conversation. But this woman tries to, to, to refuse. I am here at this well. You know, when Father Jacob gave it to us, and you cannot even get water, it is only me who has what to use to fetch. For you, you cannot use, you, you cannot access this water. But as Jesus engaged this, engaged in a conversation with this woman, he nullified everything that this woman actually believed 
him that was putting a separation between him and Jesus, between her and Jesus. Because everything she said was trying to say, you don't have to relate with me. Uh -uh, remember, for you are a Jew, me am a Samaritan. Remember, this world was given to us, not you, so you are not. Remember, for you, you can have nothing to fetch. For me, I have. Remember, so everything. Up to when the, the lady had to put it to the Lord and said, oh, oh, when Jesus said, for you, Samaritans, you don't know whom you worship. But for us, the Jews, we know. He said, ah, oh, ah. Oh. For us, we worship from our mountain. This is the lady saying. You Jews, you worship from Jerusalem. But for us, remember, we worship from this mountain. And the Lord said, it doesn't matter where you worship from. It does not matter. The place, the location, it, it does not matter. He makes that obsolete. And said, what matters is not where you worship from. The time is coming and the time is now. That, that hour is now. When the Lord is looking for true worshippers who will worship in spirit and in truth in their hearts, not in places, not in locations, not in what. And friends, I pray that this morning we will challenge ourselves to do that. That we will make these other things obsolete. These other things that we have been promoting as idols of worship in our life. Idols of worship. For me, I worship from here. For me, I believe in this. For me, I believe in the other. For me, I belong here. For me, I do this. For me, I do the other. For me, I do this. This one, I don't do. This one, I do. Those things, when we are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, so behold, the old has gone and the new has come. We must move. In the new and put back the old. May we receive the grace to do that. So everything that this lady tried to bring up, to push Jesus away, because of that he had to fulfill, Jesus kept explaining to her, explaining to her, until this lady says, you must be a prophet. You must be a prophet. And at that point, this lady goes on to say, I know the Messiah will be coming. And Jesus declares himself. Can you imagine? Jesus declaring himself to this now woman and saying, I am actually he. So if our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ could declare himself to this Samaritan outcast woman who had everything, and at the end of it she was able to realize that he was actually the Messiah. Who are we? Who are we to hold anything? against anyone. May the Lord have mercy. I will make mention, friends, of another story, but this time so, so briefly. And this is the story of this woman again, written in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. This woman who was caught in red-handed in sexual morality. And they know it all. The Pharisees bring this lady to Jesus when he was at the Mount of Olives teaching. And they said, Rabbi, this woman has been caught red-handed, red-handed in sexual immorality. And according to the law of Moses, we are supposed to stone her to death. But the Bible tells us that Jesus, instead of saying, proceed, stone, looks down. Or stoops down and rides on the ground. Then when he stands up and says he was not done it, let him be the first to cast the first stone. The Bible says that one by one, starting from the greatest to the lowest, they all walked away. 
And seeing that none was left, Jesus speaks to this woman and says, where are your our choosers, woman? Where are your our choosers? Is there no one condemning you? The woman said, no, he said, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. And under the last story, friends, is again recorded in uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36-39. Again, this is the story of this woman whom the Bible even describes as a sinner, but who after knowing that Jesus was having dinner at the Pharisee's house, she came with her jar of alabaster oil. And pouring it on his feet, crying unto his feet, wiping with her hair, everyone wondered why Jesus could allow this woman to do all that to him when actually she was a sinner. And because these people had, in their own way, weighed her sins and found them to be very heavy or very many, Jesus also gives them the parable of the creditor who owed different amounts, whom whom different people owed different amounts. And he said if there was this creditor and one person owed him 50, 500 denarii, and another one, 50, and he chose to forgive both. Whom do you think would be more excited? Of course, they answered and said him who had a bigger credit. And with that, he even nullified that, that magnitude, if I may bring it in that kind of way. So friends, this morning, as we, as we reflect on those four different stories. And as we carry them back to John's assertion, when he said, whoever does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Then we push it back to our own lives. We turn the torch back to our lives, friends. And we say, have we actually walked with God? Have we walked with God? In love. Have we known him as human beings, as Christians? Oh, in one way or another, in one way or another, each of these barriers that we have seen in these stories has applied or still applies in our lives. I love the way The Lord reveals things. This morning, as I woke up to give this message, I saw, and there were these groups of people, some were putting on uniforms, political party uniforms. And those people were actually mistreating others. Others had connections with white people, bazungu, the so-called bazungu. And those ones were also mistreating other people. What would be wells, communal wells, communal paths, communal places, these people were actually spoiling for other people. So there is no doubt that people, we are using our positions to actually make it worse for other people. When I was growing up, schools were communal. Wells were communal. Roads were communal. Parties, weddings were communal. If a wedding was going to happen, everyone would come and, and contribute. Plates would be picked from homes. Things would be picked from around. 
There was nothing like service providers. So the community would come. The road the same. The well where people fetch to water. But these days, the so-called people of the different class do not mind making that road bad because they know that they are above it. They don't mind having some systems collapse completely because they know that they don't need to, be, to, to go to, 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 those, to seek help from those facilities. They have better places. They don't need to know that is what is happening. And the Lord is challenging us this morning that if we think we know God, if we think we are working with him in love, then we must use every single opportunity, every single resource that, we, that is within our, our means, including our time, including the little knowledge, including that connection you have with that Muzungu or white, including that political affiliation, including that place of birth. You can imagine I even saw where a certain region in this area, someone says, look at these people. They are thought to be outcasts. Those re religional things, these people, tribal things. We must put down those tribal differences. We must put down those differences and walk in the love of God. As far as he is concerned, he has no barriers. I have to conclude because I can go on and go on. That one I'm talking about, friends, was, was actually in a vision. And I came out and I wailed to God and I repented because even myself, I saw I was going to fetch water. And someone was asking, Winnie, for you in your area, is all the water clean? And I said, there are some two wells that have been contaminated. So what should be wells for people to are actually contaminated? People have nowhere to fetch friends because of contamination. So I would like us, friends, I want to wrap it up like this. In Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Again, the Pharisees ran to Jesus. And they say, Lord, tell us, what is the greatest commandment? And he answers them and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But this is the catchphrase, guys. This is the first and greatest. And the second is like it. That is one thing I want us to pick this morning. The second is like it. So what is like it? Love your neighbor as yourself. So the first and the second is loving with your mind, with your soul, and with your and with your heart. That is what we are called to do. Loving with everything of ours. So all this time, when we have thought actually we have loved, not at all, we haven't. We haven't. When we thought we have walked with, with God, actually we haven't. We haven't. Why do, we, why do I say this? Again, and this one is going to be a prayer point. Again, I saw when there was this referral hospital, a referral hospital, and I said, now God, why are you showing me this referral hospital? He said, in a referral hospital, there are 
so many patients because it's a referral hospital. So many patients with different ailments. But the good thing with referral hospitals is that all the specialists are there. All the equipment is there, all the medicine is there because it's a referral hospital. And I said, but God, now if, if you're talking about a referral hospital, then I'll look at Mulago, where I hear stories that are not what you're showing me. And he reminded me that what we see is actually a shadow of the perfect things that are in heaven. So this morning, friends, the Lord is calling us to a referral hospital. A referral hospital that is in heaven. Because in one way or another, in one way or another, each one of us has an ailment. The beauty is the referral hospital of heaven has everything. There is nothing that is lacking. Each one of us will be attended to. Each one of us will be attended to. I have told you myself how I've been despising. People who eat their, their, their white ants, who eat mukene. Can you imagine? What a shame. What a shame. But this morning, because God's love is unconditional, because God's love has been powered out, he calls us to that healing. He calls us to that place of healing this morning that each one of us, each one of us will be able to walk with him as we live with one another on earth. Finally, I'll conclude with the word of the Lord in First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all, have fervent, fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude. Of sins. May the Lord open our lives, friends. May the Lord open our lives to fervent love as Christians. May the Lord open our lives to fervent love. Where we will love, irrespective of what barrier, irrespective of what, irrespective of what, that honest love. May the Lord open our lives to this fervent love. May the Lord bless you all for listening. We bless the Lord for this morning. And I ask that I make a prayer in the name of Jesus. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we again honor you. We worship you and we glorify your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us, Lord, in this your word, O God. Thank you, Lord. For even reminding us that we are patients that have been moving all around. Because that's what you've told me. You told me that I should invite us to that referral hospital. Thank you, Jesus, that there is that referral hospital in you. Where we all come and we receive healing. Father, as us on this call. And all the church of God that is out there. Father, we come into that referral hospital. Lord, we bring our different sicknesses. Thank you that your hospital, Lord, is fully equipped, O God. It lacks nothing, my God. 
And so we come, bringing every sickness that we have. Lord, remember mercy. Remember mercy, my God. In the referral hospital, Lord. Yes, we see in the physical realm, O Lord, we look at the smallest and we look at the biggest sicknesses, but they are all sicknesses and they all need treatment, my God. So we come, not grading, not categorizing, but we come as patients. We register in your referral hospital, Jesus, this morning. We register as patients in your name, O Lord. We pray that you will attend to each one of us. Each one of us, O my God. Forgive us, O my God, O holy and righteous God. Forgive us of all the separation that we've promoted within and without, O God. Forgive us and grant that we'll be cleansed with your blood, O Jesus Christ. And from today, Lord, continue to speak. Continue to speak within us. And continue to open our eyes to that fervent love. Let it be a reality, my God. Let it be a reality. When you are sending your apostles, You spoke and said, when they shall receive the Holy Spirit, they shall be your witnesses starting from Jerusalem. Lord, as we talk of walking with you in love from today, Father, will we witness for you starting from our own homes, O God, where some of us have become beasts, where some of us have become whatever, my God, where some of us have become, I don't know, but you know us. In our own co-homes, in the extended homes, in our societies, and the places of work, oh God. Will we be able to witness for you? That from there, we'll be able to extend up to the ends of the world, my God. That your name will be glorified as we walk with you in love. For in Jesus' name I prayed and believed. Amen. And amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you.